as we talked about uh, the kind of the running order, how we would schedule it, we felt that as well as kind of strategic thinking about the future, we wanted to also have a kind of a reflective devotional beginning. Um, the word radical is, is why when we like to think hopefully that we're radical, but of course the word radical actually means a return to the roots. Um, and so as well as looking to the future, we also need to be grounded in where we've come from, not just as YWAM, but the global Christian movement, 2000 years. Um, and one of the, we, in our base here in Ross Trevor in Northern Ireland, we're, we're right on the border and five minutes from us is a Benedictine Abbey. And these are uh, Benedictine monks who have devoted their life um, to prayer and serving God. Uh, they, they, they're almost in many ways the opposite of YWAM. We wanted to invite uh, speakers uh, who weren't YWAMers this morning, uh, this afternoon. The Benedict, our, if you would say, what is YWAM's vow? I would say we take a vow to go. Well, the Benedictines take a vow to stay. They, they, one of their vows is stability. And the interesting idea is that they have thousands of people every year come to their monastery. Equal, almost 50% of them are Protestants. Some of the, the leaders of the biggest evangelical charismatic churches go to this monastery and sit at the feet of of these Catholic monks who, who just give a beautiful picture of what God is like. And uh, so we wanted to start our time today, this two hour session uh, with a talk from Brother Thierry Marteau, who's a French monk. And I asked him to speak um, really from this passage in Jeremiah six. Uh, I'll just read it out and then I'm gonna hand over to Brother Thierry's talk. Uh, Jeremiah six verse 16 says, thus says the Lord, Stand at the crossroads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way lies and walk in it and find rest for your souls. Um, we asked Brother Thierry to talk about this passage and also just that concept of walking. What is it like at this time of COVID and as we exit COVID, what does it look like for us to walk um, and to follow the path ahead? And so um, again, this is a talk, he's, he's, he's prepared a talk, he's reading it out. Um, and so uh, just be ready. This is a kind of a leadership event again. So you might need to really be listening closely to his, his beautiful French accent. Uh, listen closely and really take these words into your soul and maybe apply them to your base. At the end, I'll lead a short reflection. So Mike, over to Brother Thierry. Thank you, Johnny, for inviting me to introduce your time of reflection today. Dear friends, before we have to choose in what way we want or do not want to walk, ever before that, the first choice we have to make is simply whether or not we want to walk at all. For us Christians, the answer to the question is quite clear. If we want to imitate Christ, if we want to be Christ in the world, then we have to want to walk. In John's Gospel, after the famous prologue text, one of the first things we are told about Jesus is that he walks. This fact is less trivial than it seems. In the Gospels, Jesus walks a lot. What this displays is more than a question of personal style, or a concern to keep fit. The wayfaring of Jesus has a theological significance. Jesus does not engage in aimless wandering, 
but in a directed progression towards a fulfillment, the fulfillment of his mission and identity. What was true for Jesus is true for each one of us. We are not a settled people. We are a pilgrim people. Like Abraham, we are called to advance boldly towards an uncharted future. And so we will find ourselves regularly confronted with new scenery, unexpected meetings, unforeseen experiences. If we want to follow Christ, we have to be willing to change often. We have to change the ways in, way in which we look at the world, the ways in which we relate to one another and to God. As St. Paul reminds us, a central element of our Christian faith is the humble acknowledgement that we have not yet obtained what we long for and have not yet reached the goal. We are a pilgrim people. We are called by God to be the people of the way. It is obvious that some of us will never travel very far geographically. As Christians, our walk is not measured first in miles outside ourselves. For us, to journey implies that we are ready to open our eyes, minds, and hearts to new horizons, which makes us grow in the knowledge of who we are and who God is. This is an inner journey, an interior experience. The new horizons to which we are called are not very far from us. They call us to cross the boundaries of religion, race and politics, the barriers of gender and sexual orientation, to step out and advance into the land of forgiveness, dialogue and respect in truth and love. Sometimes the walk looks like a long trek or an adventurous safari, and sometimes, yes, sometimes, like an enjoyable cruise. What matters is not the distance, or not even whether it is easy or difficult, but the result. What is important is that we are changed. Like St. Peter, who receives a new name, the Christian walk must change us. There must be a shift within us, not necessarily an earthquake, but something that makes us humbler and more real, more human, more conformed to Christ. As Christians, we are called to walk. The first implication of that statement is that we are not called to fly or to hover over the ground. We are not angels, we are human beings, grounded in and connected with the earth. We are meant to have our feet in touch with the real world. Recently, Pope Francis insisted on this aspect. According to him, in order to continue to be a living expression of the founding intuition, our institutions, groups and ministries need a dynamic fidelity, capable of interpreting the signs and needs of the times and responding to the new demands of humanity. 
It is a question of remaining faithful to the original source, striving to rethink it and express it in dialogue with the new social and cultural situations. It is firmly rooted, but the tree grows in dialogue with reality. This dialogue with reality, this encounter with the real world, means that we cannot expect to remain spotless, perfectly immaculate and clean. To dialogue with our brothers and sisters in humanity, to walk with the world, implies dust and dirt on our shoes, sweat, and sometimes smelly socks. For us, as persons and as communities, our Christian pilgrimage is inevitably linked with struggles, painful decisions, misunderstandings and mistakes, failures and disagreements. Ultimately, what matters is to walk. We can learn from our mistakes and grow from our disagreements and so become more obedient to God's will for us. God who, by the way, is never short of a plans for us. After the plan B, he has a plan C, a plan D, and so on. When after we have prayed about it and discerned to the best of our abilities, if it happens that we make the wrong turn, God cannot give up on us. And so like a good GPS, he is recalculating all the time, looking for a new way by which to lead us to our destination. It is necessary to point out that the ancient paths mentioned by Jeremiah are not an invitation to return to a nostalgic old-time religion. They do not look to the past, but to the present. The ancient paths speak of our fidelity to a calling that we are always supposed to live to live in the here and now. Faithfulness is as much about the past as it is about the future, but both past and future are relevant only in regards to the present. We have to be open to what is to come, to Christ who is coming in the present, always new and always challenging. In order to remain faithful to our identity and our mission, we must continually make an effort to be creatively inventive. We must be ready to take risks and to produce new talents, new fruits. As Christians, be that out of fear, laziness or selfishness, we cannot close the present to the future and deprive ourselves, the church and the world of the life that is to be here and now. The question which is at the beginning of the Bible and which should be at the beginning of our journey in faith is, where are you? If we want to move forward, we have to know where we are. And for us and for God, the only, the only answer is, here I am neither in the past, which does not exist anymore, nor in the future, which does not yet exist, 
but here and now. God is by definition the one who is present in the present. In Matthew's Gospel, we are told that the name of Jesus is God is with us. And at the end of the same Gospel, Jesus promises, I am with you always. From the beginning and until the end, God is not only a being, but he is a being who is present to his creation, to each one of us. The whole of biblical revelation is about God persistently and patiently reminding his people that he is there with them, that he is with us. What our contemporaries need, what we have to proclaim, is that God is with us, that he is present to you and me in a very personal way and in a totally unconditional way here and now. If God's identity is about being present, and if we are supposed to be like God, to reflect him in this world, the question appears to be very relevant. Where are we? Are we present as God is present? Unlike Adam and Eve, who hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God, and Cain after them, who after killing his brother, went away from the presence of the Lord. We have to be present to others, to ourselves and to the world where God reveals himself to us. We have to be present to ourselves as we are and to others and the world as they are, not as we would like them to be. If we want the Spirit to accomplish his work in the hearts of our brothers and sisters in humanity, we first have to love them with respect. Because, according to Martin Luther King, love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. The second question which we need to ask ourselves is found in the story of the blind man. He shouts many times, Son of David, have mercy on me. When he is invited to move closer, Jesus asks him, what do you want? A strange question, and yet a necessary one, because the Lord does not, cannot impose anything upon us. He needs our desire, our openness. If we want to walk, we need to be moved by a desire, a longing, a certain restlessness. When we feel comfortable, when we are settled, installed in our cozy ways and our certitudes, then we do not want to move, to be challenged and to walk. The, the answer to the question, what do you want, is important because it reveals what the driving force of my life is. Sometimes, because of our insecurity and our desire to be in control, we run away and hide ourselves in the safe ghetto of the past, in the secure dynamic of the group, in what we know about God, in what is trending on Twitter or Facebook. At the beginning of John's Gospel, we have two of John the Baptist's disciples who decide to follow Jesus. When Jesus notices their presence, he asks them, what are you looking for? What do we look for? What 
do we really want? We have to be honest. The point is not to give the answer we think Jesus expects from us, or the answer that will make us look smart or good Christians, but the answer that comes from our hearts. What do I really want? Jesus' question is not a way for him to learn something he does not already know. It is a way for us to become more aware of the force which is directing our lives and where this force is leading us. We have to remember that our lives are shaped and directed by our desires. We become what we want. Abraham Heschel reminds us that a person is what he aspires for. For his part, Miroslav Wolf wants us. Our hopes are the measure of our greatness. When they shrink, we ourselves are diminished. Here lies the problem. We are what we hope for. The smaller our hopes, the smaller we become. The more difficult it is for God's grace to accomplish its work in our lives. The question, what do you want, provided an opportunity for Jesus to place the disciples before the challenge which lay ahead of them. To be followers of Christ means that they must be ready to be stretched beyond the narrow limits of their petty, self-centered expectations. Last year, Pope Francis expressed the regret that in this world that races ahead, we lack a shared roadmap. And he invited us to advance along the paths of hope. Today, is there a lively hope in our hearts? Are we a hopeful people? This is not an optional question. According to St. Paul, our Christian calling is at stake. In the letter to the Ephesians, in the one body which we are called to form, we share one and the same hope. For St. Paul, hope is one of the hallmarks of our Christian identity. For him, Gentiles are characterized by the fact that they have no hope. What is our hope? We have to humbly acknowledge that all too often in our Christian communities, our hope appears to be reined in, cautiously channeled and made stingy by our fear of walking with the Lord and taking risks. We have to remember that we are accountable. We are supposed to give a fruitful account of our hope. The communion of hope that we are supposed to form is not an end in itself. It is for the whole world. For the glory of God and the salvation of the world, hope must be the standard of the church, of our communities and organizations. Your gathering has gathered together women and men from many different countries and Christian backgrounds. This diversity bears witness to the fact that hope has been kept alive in you, in all of us. As followers of Christ, we cannot acquiesce with things as they are. Our hope should be a resistance movement against our fears and complacency. 
we must take the risk to hope because we want to be faithful to Christ. The hope that something else is possible should make us capable of trading on new paths today, of being ready for fresh starts, of being free to move along the path ahead. A few years ago, Patriarch Bartholomew invited the Orthodox Church to give the contemporary world a testimony of love and unity and to reveal the hidden hope that lies within it. These words apply to us today. We are called to give to our divided world a testimony of love and unity and to reveal with boldness and patience the hope that is within it. There is no glory or salvation for us in keeping our hope hidden and buried. Like the sower in the parable, we are supposed to sow seeds of hope everywhere, generously and indiscriminately. From the beginning, Christian hope kindled a fire on the earth, a fire which was kept alive in the hearts of so many of our ancestors who walked the path of faith. In the last pages of one of his books, Pierre Teilhard de Chardin asked, Successors to Israel, we Christians have been charged with keeping the flame of desire ever alive in the world. Only 20 centuries have passed since the ascension. What have we made of our expectancy? More than 60 years after those words were written, the question is still relevant for us today. What do you want? What have you made of the hope that is in you? When Johnny contacted me, he asked me to finish with a contemplative exercise. I wonder if the word exercise does not come from a good Protestant work ethos. Instead of an exercise in which you have something to do, I invite to allow the word of God to do something in you. Lexio Divina is an ancient monastic way of prayer with the sacred scriptures. I invite you to chew the words of scriptures over and over again like a cow chewing a mouthful of grass. Chew over the two questions I asked during this talk. Where am I? What do I want? Please do not transform this time of prayer into a Bible study. To ruminate on these questions, which are God's questions to you, is primarily about listening to them. It is about allowing them to resonate within your hearts. Concretely, I suggest that you pause regularly during the course of this day. Take just a few minutes of silence in which you are attentive to what the scriptural words awaken in your hearts and minds. Maybe it will take a few days for you to see what they really mean for you. Lexio Divina is a dialogue with God, and so we have to respect that he speaks to us in his own time, at his own pace, in his own way.
Okay. Um, we're really grateful for Brother Thierry. Uh, he's going to be joining us later on in the panel discussion, uh, which will end the meeting today with three YWAM leaders and, and also Patrick Dixon and Brother Thierry. But I want to just take a couple of minutes uh, in the middle of this to just have a, a, a time of prayer for us. Um, so wherever you are, uh, maybe right now you might want to just you might want to close your eyes and just kind of divert your gaze from computer screens and zoom and and we want to just um, make a start on allowing the scripture to work in us so brother thierry asked us two questions where am i that's based on reality it's the present it's not lying to yourself about what you uh, want others to think about you or where you are it's about finding the ground of reality. And the second question is, he asked, Jesus asked the blind man, what do you want? And the blind man almost had to articulate a sense of hope, what he wanted in order for the miracle to happen, for the movement to happen. So as leaders in YWAM, we're not just people moving other people around where spiritual beings that come to Jesus and he wants to work in our hearts. And right now, let's just be quiet for a second and ask this first question. And we'll be quiet for about a minute. Where am I? Come Holy Spirit and speak to us as YWAM leaders about where we are. We don't want to live in unreality and wishful thinking. We want to find our feet, look down and find our feet in the dust and see where we are. We don't want to hide as Adam and Eve hid. God, you came to them and asked them where they were. You wanted them to start to deal in reality. And we take this second question. What do you want? Take a minute and just ask that question, honestly, and allow that question to shape you. So as Brother Thierry said, for the rest of today, maybe tomorrow, you might want to come back to these questions and allow them to kind of work their way into your heart. Allow the Holy Spirit to 
to speak to you. Where are you? Show you where you are. And to bring to life maybe hopes that have been hidden a little bit, maybe by this COVID season. It's a season where we feel unable to necessarily move forward. As why when we're focusing a lot on ourselves today, we're talking about what does it mean for us as YWAM, but we're here, our mission as YWAM is to reach the world. And as we allow these questions to start to kind of percolate in our hearts, we believe that what God wants is for us to come to a greater sense of reality of where we are so that we can step out with greater effectiveness and hope as we step out on the mission that God has for us. <laughs> 